Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Ophia John, who is a writer, photographer, and filmmaker from Brooklyn, New York. Ophia majored in journalism at SUNY Buffalo State and later transferred to the University of Albany, SUNY, where she earned her bachelor's degree with a minor in English. Ophia's production experience credits include... Bravo's Project Runway, a commercial for Bobby Brown Cosmetics, and more. Recently, a short film documentary called Loving Color, Black Queer Love on Film, where she served as a creative director and executive producer. Currently, Afia is a graduate student at the University of Delaware, majoring in Africana Studies. Her research focuses on applying Black feminist theory to visual media examining how images and art can be powerful tool for healing and liberation in the Black community. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So what initially influenced your decision to major in journalism? So um, I feel like like most kids going to college, you're kind of like, all right, like I'm going to just do what my parents said I'm going to do. So um, I started out as an education major. And um, so I I thought that I wanted to teach, but I got to that first semester and I'm like, (laughs) honestly, I don't know if I really like kids this much. Like this is, this is a lot. (laughs) Um, And so I became undecided in the spring. And from there, uh, I went to the career center because obviously by the time you graduate, you got to pick a major. Right. So I went to the career center, did like, you know, a little career aptitude test um, and communications and journalism were pretty much like the top things that were at the list. So with that, um, I definitely was like, yeah, I mean, I love writing. I've always been a writer. I've always loved writing and reading and stuff like that. So let's do it. Journalism it is. Love it. So what really inspired your love for literature? or just writing in general, where did that come from? You know, that's a really good question because I feel like it's it's been pretty innate. You know, like my dad is probably the biggest fan of my writing. <laughs> uh, he'll always be like, yeah, because, you know, you started reading at two. And then when you were in kindergarten, your teacher said that you were going to go to like Harvard or Yale. I don't know why that lady told him that. But anyway, Um, yeah, he would, you know, he'd always say like, you were one of the best readers in your class. And, um, we put on like a little kindergarten show. There's like pictures of it. Um, and they had me like read kind of like the intro to the show. Um, and so, yeah, I think I've just always naturally just loved reading and writing so much. And I think, um, I guess what strengthened my love for reading would definitely be, uh, the movie Matilda. That is like mm, one of my favorites. 
every day when I was a kid. Like, my family is just so tired of that movie because they're like, yeah, we have to watch with you every day. <laughs> but I definitely felt her on kind of just, you know, being in a home environment that's very tumultuous, very all over the place and kind of just finding comfort and solace in books and words and kind of just being able to transport yourself to a different state of mind just by opening up a book. So I think that's definitely where it got started. And then, um, you know, as I moved throughout my life, I've done a bunch of different writing projects. Um, I remember winning like a little writing contest or something um, in Brooklyn when I was like in maybe fourth grade. Um, there's like a whole ceremony and all that stuff. So yeah, long story short, I've always just loved writing and the power of words. Beautiful. So when did photography come to play? Hmm. I don't want to be that person that's like, so everything about me, like I've just been that since day one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I definitely used to like like taking pictures when I was younger. Um, I actually found a photo in one of my mom's photo albums of mm-hmm. me like taking a selfie, basically. Um, but it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like with the, um, you know, the disposable cameras. And I was just mm-hmm. like taking a picture like in the bathroom or whatever. Uh, but I think honestly, moving into um, undergrad, really strengthened my love for photography. So um, I took a photojournalism class my senior year. um, And I will say my senior year of undergrad is really what kind of solidified, like, yes, this is the lane that I want to be in because I was taking uh, like photojournalism classes. Um, I took a magazine writing class, which is Mm -hmm. like more, uh, which allowed me to be a lot more like creative. Um, So Going back to photography, having to kind of like buy a camera and um, having these assignments, like they would give me different things to take pictures of. And I learned how to edit photos. I think that's what really solidified like, oh, yeah, I love photography. Like this is just so cool to kind of just see something and then frame it, you know. And of course, the cliche is a picture is worth a thousand words. I would say a picture is worth way more than that, Mm -hmm. like way more than a thousand words because it's like especially with it since it's an art form it's very subjective so everyone can take something different from a picture and interpret it a different way so I think that's also what the beauty of it is you know like even when I create and I put my images out on like Instagram or whatever sometimes people will see things that I don't or like you know there's like, oh, I see how you kind of uh, shot it in this way. And I'm like, I actually didn't. But yeah, you're right. Okay, I can see it. <laughs> Beautiful. So as a Brooklyn native, how did your creativity, like how did you become influenced by the cre- creativity that surrounded you? Um, how did you like absorb that creative energy? Do you feel like it was an influence for your current work or your identity as an artist oh absolutely I was just telling my friend um, especially having moved out of Brooklyn it's like I'm like all right it's been 20 minutes did I tell anybody that I'm from Brooklyn yet or like (laughs) you know because I'm just so like in love with where I grew up and where Mm -hmm. I came from and 
Um, like, for example, one of my friends is from Alabama. And so I'll be like, yeah, because, you know, like Jay-Z said in this song, whatever, she'd be like, you be listening to Jay-Z? And I'm like, I'm literally from Brooklyn. <laughs> like, if it's one thing that New Yorkers love more than New York, it's other people who are from New York. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, you know, just like, the things that like Jay-Z or Biggie or any other artist from New York City, you know, Nas, all those people, like the stuff that they talk about definitely hits close to home because growing up in New York City, especially as a Black person, is a very distinct experience, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because New York is just such a melting pot of so many different cultures. So like, for example, I love Thai food and my mom put me on when I was like, six or five, (laughs) you know, and it's like, there's so many different Thai restaurants to try in Brooklyn or in Queens or wherever. Um, But yes, to your question about like the creativity in Brooklyn, um, I absolutely love that question. And I would say that, I don't know, there's just something about being a creative who is from Brooklyn, which is like where a lot of great people have come out of, you know, like Eddie Murphy is from Brooklyn, Aaliyah is from Brooklyn. Like there's so many people that have come out of that borough that have gone on to do amazing things. Mm -hmm. And even um, just being surrounded by that kind of creativity with my peers. So of course, growing up in New York city, I love the, I love like creative stuff. I love art. I went to a theater school, a performing arts school, like fame, high school musical, all of that. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and then like the, you know, in like the dance movies or whatever, there's always like that one teacher that is just really hard on the Mm -hmm. students work so seriously because, you know, they used to be on Broadway, whatever. That is a thousand percent accurate. That's accurate. (laughs) Teachers that like, were on Broadway, wanted to be on Broadway, didn't make it. And so now they're a teacher and they're coming down hard on us. Like it's, yeah, that that part of the movies is very much true. Um, but yeah, having done theater in uh, both middle school and high school, I think also like I went to um, Edward R. Murrow High School, mm-hmm. uh, which has spawned so many notable alumni, especially like, in my class or like the class above the class below like there's so many people that are just coming up and doing the things um so joey badass for example um is an alum yeah so joey badass and like all of pro era went to my high school so it was yeah it was kind of weird because he was a grade above me but um you know, he's like at the BT Awards and on pro, like on tour and stuff. And I'm here like, damn, I got to go to uh, social studies and, right. and grab from the cafeteria. And he's here <laughs> living it up. But yeah, I think, you know, just being inspired by my peers as well um, is definitely part of like my creativity as a Brooklynite. Like, I don't think that I would have been able to get to where I am without the inspiration of like my classmates, my schoolmates, you know, like I have a friend who, um, he was in the music program in high school and now he's like touring with like WizKid, Fireboy DML. Yeah. Like a lot of my peers are really like doing this stuff. So I 
absolutely love that question. And um, yeah, shout out to Brooklyn, shout out to East Flatbush. That's where I'm from. <laughs> um, and even like sometimes when I tell people where I'm from in Brooklyn, they're like, oof. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My neighborhood isn't the best. Um, I am from the same neighborhood as like Bobby Schmurda and like mm. all of yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes, I loved you answering that question, but I'm now curious now that you've shared like so much <laughs> in terms of like where you're from. But I've always wanted to know from a New Yorker, why do you think New Yorkers are so creative? Hmm. Like, why do you think that's like the hub for art? Yeah, I think honestly, it's definitely a historical thing. Um especially because, so I'm a first-generation American. Um, my parents are from Trinidad, so they okay. came here in the 80s. They met each other and then had me. Um, but even in school, as we talk about, like, the Black arts movement um, and the, the Harlem Renaissance specifically, you know, that is part of my history and my mm. culture as a New Yorker as well. And so I think... That alone definitely has spread the, um, I don't want to say like another Black arts movement, but I think the legacy that was created from the Harlem Renaissance definitely spread throughout um, throughout the Black community, especially in New York City. So, for example, like in um, elementary school, anytime we were doing like a show or a concert or something, they would always have us like, recite like a Langston Hughes poem or something. And so just growing up, being immersed in that, and of course, like all the museums and, um, you know, there's like the Met, there's the Museum of Natural History and Science, there's the Botanical Gardens, which is like kind of like a park in each borough, but there's like flowers and so much nature and foliage and stuff. So yeah, I definitely think that creativity is bred in New York, especially because there's so much going on. Like, yeah. I always tell people that, like, I live in Delaware now, and it's not very visually stimulating, you know? <laughs> like, if New York is so different to where, like, even if you have nothing to, to do for the day, you could just walk outside and, and literally find something. Find <laughs> like there's no way to be bored in New York City there's right. always something to do there's always something going on there's always a lot of like free stuff and different um like art presentations galleries all that stuff so it's definitely you know where people say like or in um Empire State of Mind where it's like concrete jungle where dreams are made of there's nothing you can't do like Right. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. That's lovely. Because when I think of New Yorkers as well, it's not only creativity, but confidence. Right. I've never met like an insecure, like in terms of like personality. <laughs> I've never met a New Yorker that's not either proud of stating where they're from or like, I don't even know, exuding confidence. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's also kind of just like, Look who else is from. Like, remember how I said? Yeah. The only thing Yorkers love more is talking about people who's from New York. It's like, yeah, I'm from the same borough as like Jay-Z and Biggie. So right. yeah, don't talk to me. Thank right. you. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So you have quite an extensive, because I know you were mentioning all of your peers that have gone to do such great things, but you yourself have an extensive, you know, professional background, having worked on Project Runway, um, doing commercials for Bobby Brown Cosmetics. Um, how are you able to attain those experiences um, or these opportunities? Yeah, um, I'm really glad that you asked that question because I think, especially being a Black creative, the road to success is not the same as if mm -hmm. like you are a descendant of Walt Disney or your uncle has stake in HBO. Like, yeah, what do they call them? Nepo babies? <laughs> nepotism right, babies. Right. right. Being a nepotism baby where you're Black is like, yeah. yeah, especially having parents that like immigrated here and, you know, they're coming from a completely different country. It's mm -hmm. no way they're about to be like rubbing shoulders with Steven Spielberg and right. then, you know, I'll be a job. Um, but yeah, I think honestly, the the job at Project Runway was honestly probably like a fate thing because my dad um, is a property owner. So he owns um, like two properties in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the producers from Project Runway reached out because he wanted to rent um, an apartment they were filming in the summer of 2021. So um, yeah, he was renting from my dad and my dad kind of told him like, oh yeah, my daughter like wants to be a filmmaker. Um, and so I sent the producer my resume and I got the opportunity to be a production assistant on Project Runway. Um, and it was just such a dope experience. That's fantastic. Very tiring. It was hot as hell because we were, <laughs> it's summertime, like it's hot. But um, it was really good to kind of just like, that was my first real production job. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of being able to like, of course, see the celebrities and stuff like that. Um, but just seeing how like productions run and how big they are and how many moving parts there are, it definitely, it, it has a tendency to make you feel pretty small because there's like maybe over like 200, like 100 to 200 people on set just wow. doing like so many, yeah, just doing a, lot. a thousand different stuff. Like there's so much that goes into a production, which is why like, you know, it was kind of good to just see it because it's also like, you know, when they say like, oh, this movie had a budget of 50 million mm -hmm. and it tanked because it only made 30 million in the box office right. or this budget was 50 million, but they did, they made a hundred billion at the box office. Mm -hmm. It was great. That type of stuff. Um, all of that stuff really goes into making a film and even just taking that experience and applying it to my own film definitely right. was a good kind of stepping stone. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think I'll always cherish having that job in the summer that um you know, it was in kind of just, I'd also had come out of um, a pretty bad breakup. And mm -hmm. so having gotten into my master's program and then getting a job on Project Runway in the same year was just such like a big step. And it's like, yes, okay, I'm definitely moving You're in the right it. direction. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Exactly. If ever you needed reassurance. But I did want um, to kind of expand on your experience on Project Runway, um, because yeah. sometimes when we hear like production or it's like creative director, what what can you take us on like a day that you would be on set, what that may have looked like and what your role was? Okay. Yeah. Um, so first of all, we are working 12 hour shifts. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they'd usually schedule me in the afternoon. So I'd be working like a 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., 2 p.m., 2 a.m., wow. that type of thing, or 12 noon to midnight. And you only get a half hour break, which is like, wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a production assistant, like you're pretty much bottom of the barrel. I'm not going to lie. You're pretty much just like, hello, uh, we need somebody to go get coffees. Right. Can you find out? Can you pass out the waters? Like, and it's like there was a day where um, we were experiencing a heat wave in Brooklyn, um, and they're like, "Hey, um, can we need some PAs to just go pass out waters to the crew?" And I'm like, "I need water too. Like, why ain't nobody right. passing me water?" <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm not in that position. I got to stay in my lane. So. Even though I would love a cold water, I have right. to go hand for the producers. Um, and I will say even um, kind of just like the environment on set mm-hmm. was a little scary because, you know, like I said, being a production assistant is kind of like you don't really speak to anybody unless right. they speak Like you don't. You know, and then it's like, if you see, like, a famous person walk past, they'll be like, oh, my God, like, can I have your autograph? Like, no, you can't do any of that. But, you know, like, yeah. the positive part of that experience was you actually being on a set and observing exactly what was going on. So you can always transfer that to your own personal projects. Absolutely. Having those mm-hmm. transferable skills were definitely really good. Um, yeah. And then kind of like the day in the life aspect. So... Um, definitely getting to set, um, it it was still like right after, you know, the pandemic, well, we're still in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but you know, right after like lockdown. Right. So it'd have to get COVID tested. Everybody had to wear masks all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, unless you're eating or drinking and you take your mask off. But other than that, masked up, um, some days would be slower than others. So Sometimes I would literally just sit there and like bring a book. Like I'd be reading a uh, parable of the sower. <laughs> um, some of the stuff I had to do would be like at lunchtime, um, kind of like pass out the meals. There would always be um, catering. So they'd bring the food in. We'd have to separate it. We'd have to like create the menu. So like number one, if you want number one, it's fish. Number two right. is chicken, braised pork, that kind of stuff. Um going on runs so if they needed anybody to do like coffee water um sometimes like you know celebrities would come and they want something specific so one time I got a text and it was like hey um can you go on a run or they would uh we have walkie talkies so they would be in our ears like we're looking for a PA to go on a run and then like you just answer on your walkie so I was going on a run and then I got a text and they're like, okay, so we need you to go to uh, like CBS or something because Taraji would like pistachios and some high chews. And I'm like, Taraji? <laughs> As in P. Henson or mm-hmm. like? Which one? <laughs> but you know, I can't ask no questions. I just got to go. I just got to do it. 
So um, I was like, damn, like, am I ever going to find out if it was Taraji P. Henson or not? But then the next week, somebody was like, yeah, because Taraji P. Henson was here last week. And I was like, so I did get her her little snacks. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that would pretty much be um, what the day-to-day was like. Sometimes they would have us do like grocery shopping for the Mm -hmm. cast house. You know, it's a reality show. So the... The scenes where you see, like, you know, they're all in one house and they're waking up or there's drama or whatever. Like, we have to go there sometimes. And, uh, you know, whatever the contestants requested, like, some chicken, broccoli, whatever. We'd Mm -hmm. have to do that. So, yeah, those are pretty much everything. Um, I also did get to work with the story people. So, um, even though it is a reality show... I hope nobody's going to like sue me, but I'm going to just say this in code. <laughs> Even though it is a reality show, everything isn't real, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There are real moments, but some of it is definitely a little bit like, yeah. So I did work with that part of the production team, and that was pretty cool too. Um, but yeah, definitely just being able to kind of, like you said, like see how productions run and just right. like, what do different things mean or how does this work or, you know, how do they film stuff like this? Like the camera crew alone is, it definitely requires about like 15 to 20 people, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because like the cameras are heavy sometimes or like they have um, rigs, which are like the things that you can like move the cameras back and forth on that type of stuff. So yeah, there's, there's the technical aspect, there's, you know, the lighting, the camera, the sound, um, the contestants themselves, the makeup artists, all that stuff. Yeah. Very, very cool. So congratulations on graduate school. Can you explain your research in Africana studies? What is Black feminist theory? Sure. So um, I'm actually planning to have a brunch um, during Women's History Month next mm-hmm. month. Um, well, I, I always say March is Black Women's History Month. But um, <laughs> so I think I definitely wanted to go to film school because, of course, you know, that's what I want to do. And it's like that's kind of the only route that it seems sometimes. Um And so I applied to, I think, three different programs. I'd only gotten into, no, I I didn't get into any. I got rejected from all of them. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I was kind of just like, okay, I'm not going to let this stop me because a lot of great filmmakers didn't go to film school Mm -hmm. um, and I can still make it. But I kind of just need to adjust my thinking around it or like, what's the other avenue I can go in? Right. Um, And so I think definitely being rejected from those programs gave me time to like think and really strengthen my intentions for what I want to do. And so I think strengthening those intentions made me think like, okay, Black people are my audience. That's who I'm doing everything for. So I should probably start there, you know, especially because a lot of the representations of Black people that are, uh, put forth in Hollywood are harmful. They're rooted in racist stereotypes. The characters aren't like fleshed out properly or 
you know, in this day and age, we're still getting uh, movies like, what is it? Uh, the Green Book, The Green Mile. Mm-hmm. Green Mile, like, we have 12 Years a Slave, you name it. <laughs> like, I'm tired, <laughs> you're tired, let's just, right. let's wrap it up. And those let's films realistically aren't for us. So I get where not. you're coming from, yeah. Those films definitely are not for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I had written in my application for grad school was that Black trauma has become a commercialized commodity. Like there's like our suffering has made so much money, so much money. Like, and then it's like mostly not from our community or, you know, like there's certain people that are creating these, you know, materials for those that aren't even of our, our culture. (laughs) absolutely and that's that's also the problem with just like slapping a black face Mm -hmm. on like a white supremacist Mm -hmm. entity or kind of just being like well we met the diversity quota right no we're gonna need a little bit more than that right (laughs) and you know it's like the roles that black women or black people are winning oscars for it's like come on why why are we only winning oscars when we're the mammy or we are the enslaved person or we are the The oversexualized. Everything, anything negative. (laughs) Right, right. And it's like, that's what we win an Oscars for? Come Mm. on, come on. So definitely wanting to put forth more intentional works, um, intentional works of art out there. Mm. Um, And I think, part of my research and part of my thinking uh, with Black feminist theory. So Black feminism is a political movement, but it is also a theoretical um, framework. And so I think canonically feminism has been a white movement. It has always excluded Black women. And so even today, like, you know, when you see Women's History Month, it's like women are burning bras and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, that's what I like to call anatomical feminism. It's very like girl power, like, you know, and then when Trump Trump got elected, can I cuss? Yes, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Had to be sure. When Trump got elected and like the girls were painting the pink pussy hats, it's like Mm -hmm. not all pussies are pink. Not all women have pussies. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, this is just so surface level. Mm -hmm. And the more I like realize, or the more I think about it, white feminism is just because like their, their motive is to be equal to white men. And for black women, our motive is to dismantle the privilege that white men are allowed to have that allows them to, you know, get all the things. And so it's like, Two different objectives. Right. It's like Mm -hmm. the Beckys, they just want to be able to do what the Chads do. Us, we're actually trying to liberate ourselves. We're trying to dismantle the patriarchy. We're trying to dismantle white supremacy in all forms. In all forms. For everyone. Mm Right. Right. So it's about all Black people. It's inclusive. It's intersectional. Um, all of those things definitely matter. So for Black people, so Black feminism is definitely, I think, the framework that allows for 
or the framework that when applied to visual art or visual media Mm -hmm. can do the work to, or can help do some of that work to to undo the negative stereotypes or kind of call them into question. Um, And so I will definitely be using Insecure as my case study for my thesis. Just about to ask. (laughs) Yeah, because I think like, and I didn't even know this or like put two and two together, but Issa Rae has a degree in Black Studies too. And so knowing that and like kind of rewatching it as I'm like taking my notes for my thesis, I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, she's definitely getting at the stuff, you know? definitely. Even in the first episode, you know, like they're like, oh, why did your hair look like that? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I did this to my hair on purpose. Like, Because I want to, you don't get to, we don't get to see many black women protagonists with like short natural Mm -hmm. hair or just, you know, not, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, the little 20 inch bust downs Kerry Washington used to have on Scandal, but you know, like. We've already seen it and there's so much more to who we are. (laughs) (laughs) We've already seen it. And also just on the topic of hair alone, like Issa Styles and Insecure are a statement in of themselves. The amount of different things that she did with her hair, how she played with it, you know, right. let it grow out, like that type of stuff. It's also, it's all important. It's all part of undoing that work to undoing the work and also challenging white supremacy at the same time. Absolutely. It's beautiful that you brought up Insecure. And I was saying, I was just about to ask your thoughts on Insecure um, because it was that example of, you know, a great representation of Black people in general in the media, especially how we style our hair. We have different friend groups where we don't all look the same. We don't act the same. We may not, you know, dress the same or have similar career goals. So to see that and see like a realistic representation of who we are, truly changed the game. Like, I feel like that was an introduction to challenge people (laughs) to bring more content like that for us, which is by us, you know? So it's fantastic that you're, you know, trying to do the same thing. So we only have a few minutes, unfortunately, but I did want to ask since we're on the topic of what you're studying currently and how you would love to be a filmmaker, Where do you see yourself in, let's say, five or 10 years from now? How do you feel like your narrative as an artist um, would change for the benefit of yourself? But what is your mission in terms of how you would like to share your art with the world? That's a really good question. And I feel like I have to write that down so (laughs) I can (laughs) continue to meditate on it. Um, But definitely in five to 10 years, I would... I see myself being in the industry because the goal for me is definitely to be a writer, like a TV writer, producer, um, and director. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm, I'm glad you said that, um, insecure kind of opened that door to challenge people or to open the door for like more accurate representations. Because I think, I think I would definitely say that, uh, Janine from Abbott Elementary is definitely mm-hmm. like Issa's little sister. Right. Like they're they're definitely both very quirky, very like socially awkward, that type of stuff. And those types of representations of black women, I think, are the ones that 
allow for us to get to um, like Insecure's finale where Issa is, she's in her element, you know, she's the boss, she's doing her thing. Like that type of stuff is where the empowerment lies. And so I think my intention is definitely always to empower Black women and femmes. It is always to challenge white supremacy in the different ways Um, But of course, always with humor, with style, with race, with creativity, because, you know, even just like some of the one-liners on Insecure or just like some of the stuff they'll say, like in the pilot episode, um, Issa's white boss is like, what would James Baldwin say about like what's going on today? And Issa's like, in 2016, what would James Baldwin say? So it's you know it's little stuff like that where it's like we can infuse those things because part of it and I I wish that I could include this in my thesis but I probably won't have enough time or enough Mm -hmm. pages but our joy is resistance our joy our laughter that is healing and we can definitely challenge you know like we could challenge some of that stuff just by you know cracking a little joke or you know and I also had someone um I was explaining to um, a POC who is a man, um, mm-hmm. he's a non-Black person of color. I'm explaining to him like my thesis and stuff. And he's like, well, you know, like all the stuff that people are like writing about, they're going to be published within the academic setting. But you who is creating images or like, you know, having a TV show, you're going to be able to reach more people that way rather than like the little papers we write in that's just gone beyond some scholarly journal that nobody knows how to find and I was like you know what you are absolutely right (laughs) let me put that in my thesis too so yeah I definitely think that I would I definitely see myself being in the industry or continuing to work in the industry continuing to work my way up and yeah just doing that work following in Issa's footsteps and I actually did meet her last summer so I'm so excited to keep working um and yeah definitely just keep doing what I'm doing and creating the spaces for black women and femmes to heal ah gosh sorry I actually love what you said about um the whole explanation in terms of you just you know, moving forward with your passion. Um, but you're saying that you met um, Issa Rae. What was that experience like? Yeah, so um, I have been, like, obsessed with her. <laughs> I'm not going to say upset, but I've, I've honestly, like, been following her journey and her career since um, the Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl mm. days. Um, I don't remember who put me on to that show, but I watched it and I was like this is me. This is my life. Like, (laughs) I was like, yo, I felt this, like, I'm very socially awkward and very shy. So having a, having to see like a black girl who also acts like that and, you know, also has like the inner dialogue that a lot of us have with ourselves. Like that was just so relatable and just so dope just to see. And so um, I remember hearing about like her getting a, a deal with HBO and I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, yeah. Right. But, you know, just to see like how far she's come and how passionate she is and how just like 
excellent and thoughtful and Mm -hmm. thought-provoking all the stuff that she does is, I would definitely say that like she is like a role model for me. And that's not, that's a big deal because I definitely try to like stay away from that just because I think a lot of the times when we put people as our role models or, you know, our heroes or whatever, they kind of tend to be on this pedestal that humanizes them a little bit. Um, But, you know, even the people we look up to can mess up sometimes or, you know, have, have moments of like bad judgment or whatever. So that's why I kind of been just like, I don't like to say that I have role models, but she would definitely fill that spot for me. So Mm. uh, last summer I went on my first solo trip to New Orleans for Essence Fest um, and I didn't know she was going to be at Essence Fest. I was kind of just, I feel, I feel like I was on the plane, like, hmm, that would just be so cool. But right. I landed and I think one of my friends had sent me her story and it was like, the tag was like her in New Orleans and she was like waving. And I was like, girl, you at Essence Fest? Oh <laughs> so, um, the day that I met her, I low-key had to like follow her a little mm. bit. Um, there was so much going on at Essence Fest. Like it was a really dope time, but, um, they had a film festival and of course I was there. So, um, they showed a couple like short films by like indie filmmakers. And then there was a screening for Abbott Elementary and Shirley Ralph came out. Um, so, you know, I'm in the festival and they have this app that will like tell you what's going on, right? Like send you notifications of like, this is happening in 15 minutes. So I'm at the film festival and I get a notification that's like Issa Rae is about to give a talk with Angela Yee downstairs. I got up out that film festival so fast. I said, yep, (laughs) go sit down, get my seat. (laughs) So, you know, saw her give the talk. That was amazing. And then she was like, I'm going to be over at the um, Sienna Naturals booth because, you know, that's her natural hair care line. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh, guess where I'm going to the Sienna Naturals booth. So by the time I made it there, like there was already a line forming because like she was actually taking the time to take pictures and like wow. meet and greet people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that line was long and she stayed there and met like by the time I got to her, I was already on the line for maybe like 20 minutes. Wow. Um And so I actually met like a friend that was online and I was like, I wrote a blog post about Insecure. And at the end, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I hope I get to thank Issa in person one day. So I wanted to show her my blog, but my phone, the service was bad. So I'm like, oh my God. So my friend that I met online, he pulled it up for me and he let me like use his phone to show her. So it's my time. And I'm nervous as hell. I'm like, um... You're my role model, and like I love you so much. And um, so um, I like I'm trying to tell her that I wrote the blog post, and I can barely get it out. Can't even get it out. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, thank you so much for writing about the show." I was like, "You're welcome." And then um, she gave me a really big hug. We took a picture. Security's rushing us. They're like, "We gotta go. We gotta go. (laughs) Let's go." I'm like, "All right, all right, all right." I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, that was it. And then, like, as I was walking away, I was just like, I'll see you again someday. And she was like, okay. So, fingers crossed. But, yeah, that moment was definitely, like, in the top ten. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I sent it to all my friends and they were just so happy for me because they know how much I love Issa Rae and like how much of a moment that was for me. So yeah, now I'm kind of just like untouchable, can't right. touch Absolutely. Exactly. Um, and I love, I just love the timeline of your story, just your artistic general artistic journey in general. Um, I feel like this is just the beginning and you have so much more coming your way. So divine alignment, hopefully fingers crossed. Um, yes. so <laughs> we're coming up to the end of our interview, but, um, we like to play a game with, um, any visitor that we have, any guests we have on the show. So I just want to pick your brain a little bit. Some of the questions will be art related. Some of the questions won't be art related, but, um, since we're on the topic of film and filmmaking, who is your ideal filmmaker, if not Issa Rae? My ideal filmmaker. Hmm. I don't know that I would, that I really have one. Mm-hmm. I also am like, yeah, I definitely need to do more work into like diving into like unknown Black women filmmakers. Um, hmm. I guess I would say Jordan Peele because I feel like he definitely puts a lot of like thought and intention into his movies and Mm -hmm. they're always shot really beautifully. So I would definitely say Jordan Peele. Cool. So going back to Issa Rae, what was the most profound episode from Insecure or any Issa Rae related content (laughs) that really stuck or resonated with you the most? The most profound episode... Hmm. Okay, I have two answers. I will say that all of season one is profound for me just because like I definitely found myself in that same type of relationship. And when it was over, I went back and watched and I was like, so how did they handle this? (laughs) I don't really know what to do right now. Um, And then I think it was also just validating because I'm like, damn, like, I really was in that situation and I was kind of like gaslighting myself or not like acknowledging my own feelings. Like I'm not happy here. Right. Um, So I would definitely say season one and then um, season four, the episode where Issa and Lawrence go on that date. um, Yeah. That one is definitely my favorite. (laughs) Um, Okay. So if you had only one month, of a playlist that you would listen to by one artist, who would it be? Right now, it would definitely be Lucky Day. Like, I have just been... I listen to Candy Drip, like, every single day at this point. Like, every day. (laughs) I would say... And that's funny, because I was thinking, like, my holy trinity right now is Candy Drip by Lucky Day, SOS by SZA, and of course, Renaissance. Nice. And I got my tickets for Renaissance yesterday. So. Oh, congratulations, Senna. That's been a challenge for most. <laughs> Whether it's monetary or just having the, you know, any any available tickets. <laughs> um, so what was I going to say? Okay, what is the most... New Yorkiest or Brooklyn Brooklynian thing <laughs> that you would consume, like eating, eating wise. Like, what is the go-to New York meal for you? New Yorker meal. I know you mentioned Thai food, so it can be anything because it is a melting pot. But like, absolutely. What would be your um, ideal go-to meal? So 
I don't, I wouldn't say that I have an ideal go-to meal. It's kind of like there are things that I only trust in New York. What would that be? (laughs) Pizza is number one. Mm. I don't know what the hell everybody else be doing with their pizza, (laughs) but nah, it's just, if it's not from New York, there's literally, and pizza's my favorite food, so there's a pizza spot like right next to where I live here in Delaware, and I promise you, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, because if that pizza nasty, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then bagels, of course. It's nothing like a New York bagel, for sure. So those are my two New York things that I'm like, nah, if it's not from New York, keep it. I don't want it. <laughs> So we would love to follow your journey. It's been so nice to hear all the things that you have done and that you're planning on doing. So if you can, if you're open to it, please share your um, social media handles. So any of our listeners that want to follow or like, you know, collaborate with you any kind of way can do that. Absolutely. Um, My TikTok is HeyAfia. So it's just Hey, A-F-I-Y-A. Um, my, it's my creative Instagram is Afia creates things. So A-F-I-Y-A creates things. Um, and then, yeah, I would definitely say the best way to reach out to me, like if you're trying to collab or whatever, you have any questions would be the email. So my email is johnafiaj at gmail.com. Wonderful. Do you have a website? Cause we also love to share those too. You, yes, I actually do have a website um, and I'm going to ask people to hold me accountable this year and try to do better with my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my website is afiaj.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. It's been such a pleasure. Was so excited to like chat with you. You know that because I was like hounding you on TikTok, but thank you so much, <laughs> you know, for your time and, you know, all the best of luck for your future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's definitely been a blast. Um, and of course, all the best to you all with your podcast. I thank hope you so much. Amazing guests coming up. <laughs> thank you.